This is The Last Mile, powered by Segway. Join the people of Segway as we discuss industry trends in our vision of the future of transportation. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and I'm excited to welcome Max Rostelli. He's the owner of HFX eScooters to the program. Max, it's great to talk to you today. Well, hello, good uh, good afternoon, I guess. Uh, great to be here. Excellent. It is uh, absolutely great to talk to you today. And we are talking about the micromobility revolution that's really taking place today. And Max, you've played a role and kind of been on the front lines of micromobility in Nova Scotia. So just give us an idea of your experience and some of the work that you've done in this area. Sure. Um, so you're right. It, it is this this trend or this revolution that, um, oh gosh, it's over a year old now. Uh, certainly in the U.S. there, uh, it has taken over uh, many cities. Uh, literally hundreds of cities around the world are seeing this this so-called micro mobility revolution. You know, hit hit their cities. So I would say, you know, about a year ago, I started to get really interested in what this was and what it was all about, and you know, for years, we've um, we've been a Segway uh, PT tour operator, a dealer, and we're now a distributor here in Atlantic Canada for Segway. So just in our general discussions and meetings with, with Segway uh, in the U.S., it, it became very natural for us to start to talk about e-scooters and uh, this, this new, relatively new technology that's... Uh, that seems to be uh, taking over the world in, in many places. So once we started that conversation and probably about a year ago, um, it just became more and more clear to us that it was something that we wanted to, you know, perhaps get into and um, start an e-scooter sharing operation here in, in, in Nova Scotia. And that's uh, kind of where we are today. So what what made you kind of see the uh, see the appeal of micromobility with these e-scooters? What was it about um, what they offered that you saw that that maybe met an issue or met a uh, a problem um, that that could be fixed or solved? I suppose using e-scooters. Right. So being being a Segway a tour operator and dealer, I guess for for a number of years, we 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 always had this this vision, I guess of micro mobility or something that could replace you know a car or a vehicle that was you know friendly to the planet um, you know good you know re- reducing greenhouse gas emissions perhaps uh, helping to reduce you know traffic congestion helping to uh, get cars off the roads so it's it's kind of been in our in our DNA for for a number of years here and 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 it seemed it became apparent that the the e-scooters now the electric scooters just took that 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 idea or that that you know need or want to do something um to help the planet but it took it to the mass scale that it is today where so many people seem to now uh, relate to that they can relate to it better than let's say they could when we were trying to do it with with more expensive segway personal transporters so it almost seems like just this natural evolution of of technology or innovation that all of a sudden people appreciate potentially what they can do. That's interesting. And I wonder just 
if people have become uh, more aware of climate issues and more aware of the options that are available when it comes to transportation, and this kind of helps solve a, uh, you know, if you use public transportation, this helps solve a, a final mile type issue where, uh, you know, a train takes you to a certain point, but how do you uh, quickly and efficiently, I suppose, move that last mile from the train stop to your office or to your home or something like that? I wonder if uh, e-scooters just don't fill a really, really nice um, spot there that, that really helps people move around efficiently and in a way that is a lot more sustainable and a lot more green. Well, that's it exactly. And, and, and I think that is the promise of, um, you know, micro mobility and new innovation. And in, in this case, specifically e-scooters, it's, it's perhaps that, that promise that it can help solve this, this so-called first mile, last mile problem. I mean, for years, we've been talking about how important it is maybe for cities to, to have their, you know, their, their, their people use public transportation, right? How important it is to try to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, how important it is to maybe um, help people not get into their vehicles just for short trips. And um, when we talk about solving that first mile, last mile problem, I mean, transit plays, you know, a very, you know public trans, transit plays a very important role in all of this. But at the end of the day, you know, we all need to get from point A to point B. So, you know, how do we conveniently and efficiently get to, let's say, a bus terminal or, or a bus stop? And then how, you know, when we have to get off that public transportation, whether it's, it's bus or commuter rail or whatever, how, how do we get to our final destination? And, and you know, that is that last mile problem. So uh, un, unless you can make that first mile, last mile problem, you know, cheap, convenient, and in some way, have it be integrated with with public you know transit systems um if it's not convenient what do people do you know they may want to take the bus but at the end of the day many people just get in their cars because it's simply not convenient to to get to that for you know the first mile last mile you know and, and really there's only been a couple of choices you know you either walk or you take a bicycle you know, there aren't a whole lot of other ways that you can deal with that first mile, last mile problem. So I think this is what has gotten investors so excited about, you know, e-scooter sharing operations. Uh, And I mean, there's billions of investment dollars being, being, you know, pumped into this industry now. And there's a reason for that. And um, all of a sudden, if you can make something convenient, make it cheap and get people out of cars, you know, there's so many positives to that. And this is why we're calling it a revolution, because all of a sudden it's like, wow, this this might actually make a big difference. And uh, I think we're seeing it. We're, you know, I, I'll, I'll grant you this, that today, you know, maybe in this first year where it's rolling out into cities around the world, there are challenges. And for sure, we see the challenges. Uh, you, you could argue that a lot of people are just interested in this and it's, it's a bit of a novelty still, right? You have people that are trying the scooters that are, you know, giving it a go. They're a lot of fun. They are a lot of fun, no doubt about that. And, you know, you have couples kind of sharing a ride together. You have a dad that's, you know, got their kid on it. You know, they're really perhaps not yet. I think it's happening. Um, but in some places, it's perhaps not yet being truly used, you know, to solve that first mile, last mile problem that it's still a very interesting technology that people are just starting to uh, to look at and understand and, and use in, in some ways more of in, in more of a fun way than let's say um, a way to leave their car at home 
and help them get somewhere um, without having to take their car. You mentioned the, I guess, the numerous benefits and just how revolutionary this really can be. I suppose if you could go back and maybe reimagine a downtown area or reimagine cities that don't have to place such an emphasis on parking, that's the kind of thing that I think that uh, people like you and I, we can maybe, uh, I guess, I guess, see that possibility of, okay, what if we didn't have to dedicate so much space to just having cars, right, that, that drive us to and from work and that sort of thing? How radically different that would make our cities look? And I think that that's something that is exciting about the potential of what East could bring. It is. It is very exciting. And, you know, I follow a lot of urban planners on, on social media and, and blogs and such. And there really does seem to be a consensus through to a lot of the urban planners that, you know, generally speaking, cars are bad. You know, they're, 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 they're bad for the planet. They're, they, you, have, you have, you know, rush hours, you have traffic congestion, um, cities with a lot of uh, a lot of traffic and many many lanes, you know, on some of these huge roadways and and road infrastructures, those cities are not walkable. Those cities are not you know walk friendly, bike friendly necessarily. And the urban planners are now more and more talking about how do you make cities more people friendly, right? How do you make it inviting? How do you have people walk where they want to go, where where it's you know makes sense to walk or Give them other choices, you know, whether it's bicycles, and now we're we're, we're talking about micro mobility. So I know I know here in Halifax, I mean, we have a relatively small city in a way. It's a big town, but it, it is a city. We we don't yet have a great you know bike infrastructure, um, but folks in cities have been talking about bikes and, and public transit for for a long time as as a way to get people out of their cars, and. You know, cities are working towards better bike infrastructure, but we we like to stop calling it bike lanes and and bike infrastructure, and we want to start calling it micro mobility lanes, and micro mobility infrastructure because, you know, it's more than bikes. It really is more than bikes. It should be for anything that's faster than walking and anything that's not a you know a car or a vehicle, and I think that will help justify perhaps some of the costs that it would take some municipalities and cities to invest in and, and provide funding to to build on these uh, micro mobility lanes and infrastructure. And, you know, today we're talking about e-scooters, but who knows what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, right? There's, you know, innovation is happening faster than regulators can really keep up. And we have no idea what may be here in a year or two. Uh, as another micro mobility choice to help people get around a city. So uh, I think that's what you're starting to see cities appreciate and understand that they have to start thinking about more than bikes, about more than, than public transit and seeing how you can create a whole service around moving people from A to B. So there is this term that's being used out there in the industry is called mobility as a service. And I know governments and municipalities and regulators are, are starting to think about mobility as a service where you can perhaps all of a sudden integrate public transit with, with, with these first mile, last mile solutions. And all people are really interested in is how do I get from point A to point B? And if you can create a service, a transportation service that's all integrated that can help you, let's say, manage your trip getting from A to B and, you know, it could be any number of things that, that make up 
the way that you get from point A to point B, then that's kind of what mobility as a service is, is really all about. But this is all very, very new. The idea maybe is not so new. It's been out there a couple of years. But to finally have some some technology that can really um, you can start to see this, this this actually happen because the technology is, is now there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious just how at HFX eScooters, how does scooter sharing work and how have you made it, uh, how have you successfully implemented it? Um, and I'm curious just uh, what you've learned from that experience. So I've done a, a bit of research, of course, le- you know, leading up to the decision that we, we want to give this a go. We want to give this a try. So I've learned a little bit about um you know, how it was rolled out in, in, in other cities, some of the challenges that other cities have had, um, you know, whether that challenge is, you know, uh, a large company p- potentially dropping hundreds, if not thousands of these into a city, just dropping them into the city, uh, turn them on, you know, you have an app, lets people, you know, connect, unlock their, their e-scooter with an app, take it wherever they want. If they can find one, great, unlock it, take it wherever they want, leave it somewhere, and uh, big time convenient, right, to be able to do that. Um, but it has really created challenges for some cities in that all of a sudden you have thousands of these everywhere and they're getting left maybe or parked where they shouldn't be. So it's, it's created this, this like scooter litter problem. And of course, this is pretty new. So it's created um, perhaps for some generations or some people um, a real nuisance problem, right, where... Uh, you know, many folks still believe that, you know, sidewalks are only for those that want to walk and nothing else should be allowed on this, you know, public space, the shared space that we call a sidewalk. And that's um, perhaps a debate for another day. You know, so regulators are trying to figure out, you know, well, where do these belong, right? Do they belong in a bike lane? Do they belong in a pathway? Do they belong on the side of the road? How safe is that? Do they belong on sidewalks under certain rules and conditions, you know, that being, you know, yield to pedestrians, speed limits, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I know here in Canada, there's, you know, in Alberta, there's there's one city, Calgary, where you need to be on, on a sidewalk that you're not allowed on the roadway. I mean, you can be in a bike lane, but you're not allowed on the roadway. And yet, you know, a few hundred kilometers from Calgary, you have the city of Edmonton, where you're not allowed on sidewalks. Right. You have to be in a pathway or you have to be on the side of the road. So, you know, even two cities, just a couple of hundred kilometers, a few hundred kilometers apart are still trying to figure it out. So our approach to Halifax was, you know, we did a little bit of research. We, we, we tried to understand the issues or the problems that other cities were facing, you know, whether it's where do they belong, the, the nuisance factor, scooter litter problems. Uh, I mean, any of these are, are challenges. Safety is another challenge, right? What about helmets? Do you have helmet laws? How do you, you know, try to ensure that people are wearing helmets or at the very least that people understand that there is a helmet law and perhaps a safety issue. So, you know, if you're going to scoot regularly, maybe, you know, you should bring a helmet. But logistically, that's a very difficult thing to, to enforce and to try to deal with. Because, and this is one reason why bike sharing never came to Halifax, right? Um, I mean how do you enforce helmet laws or how do you provide helmets in this model where you really want many scooters available for anybody to pick up and use and then, you know, take somewhere and drop off somewhere else. 
So as we introduced this to Halifax, we, we had kind of all that in mind and we, we reached out to the city and we said, look, we want, to do, we want to do a soft introduction here to Halifax. We don't want to introduce hundreds of these, just drop them anywhere and have people pick them up and leave them anywhere. So our approach was, and working with Segway Discovery and their, their cloud services and their app and their backend services all fit very well to us having having an enforcing, you know, designated pickup and drop off locations. So in that way, it, it tries to really minimize this, the so-called scooter litter problem. Um, in some of our locations, we're offering helmets. So that tries to mitigate perhaps some of the safety issues. But, you know, you can provide helmets or you can offer helmets, but a lot of people choose not to wear helmets. And that, you know, that also becomes another, uh, probably a, de a debate for another time is, you know, should we have helmet laws or should we leave it up to adults to decide for themselves, you know, if they should or should not wear a helmet. And at the end of the day, it comes down to how safe do you feel in whatever bike lane infrastructure, wherever you're scooting or riding a bike for that matter, um, how safe do you feel without a helmet? And I mean, some of the great cities around the world that have, you know, completely embraced that are the bicycle capitals of the world. And I'm talking about cities like, you know, Copenhagen and Amsterdam, and they, they don't wear helmets. You know, you don't see anybody wear helmets. And yet you see so many video clips of this is what we want to strive to, right? This is where we want to get to. Look, can, can we make our city like this, where we eliminate cars from parts of our cities and we become bicycle friendly and everybody's riding a bike and it's healthy and it's good for the healthcare system. It's healthy for your population and, and people are happier and all of this, but none of them are wearing helmets. And yet here in Canada, or at least in Nova Scotia, we have helmet laws. And it is, it is, it is really getting in the way, in my opinion, to this mass adoption of not only getting more people on bikes, but getting people on e-scooters and whatever other technology or innovation may come, you know, tomorrow. So I really question um, helmet laws in the big picture. Now, having said all that, you got to feel safe. So you need an, uh, a jurisdiction, you need a city that actually has, has good infrastructure that helps people feel safe. I mean, if you're forced to ride on the side of the road and share the road with, with cars, me personally, I would want to wear a helmet, you know? But, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So you mentioned just some of the, the bureaucratic and uh, the regulation type uh, issues that you have to, that, you know, it's just part of bringing something like this to a city like Halifax. And so how did you, uh, what, what challenges did you come up against when it came to regulation and how did you work those out in a way that kind of satisfied everybody? A great question. And I, I think we got a little lucky because, um, first of all, we, we have um, a bit of history here in Halifax with the way that we introduced uh, Segway, personal transporters, to the city and the province of Nova Scotia. Uh, Segway personal transporters were not legal here in Nova Scotia when we, when we started our Segway business. And um, it took several years. It took four years for me to, you know, talk to the regulators, talk to the stakeholders. Uh, we went through a two-year pilot project. We helped them rewrite the law or the um, sections of the Motor Vehicle Act that would classify personal transporters and effectively legalize Segway personal transporters in Nova Scotia. And today, we are still the only province in Canada where they are legal for everybody on streets and sidewalks. So with that, with that bit of history, I think um, 
certainly the folks at the province at uh, transportation and, and infrastructure renewal and, and certainly the folks at City Hall um, knew us. They, they kind of knew our history. They knew how we, how we did it with, with Segway, personal transporters. So when, when we approached, uh, and I approached both the city and the province on this, you know, late last year or over the winter, and I, I told them how we would like, I asked, told, explained. I explained to them how we would like to do this in Halifax. And so I told them about the controlled model that we wanted to do, the designated parking locations, how we were trying to, to mitigate any safety issues. And, and we also explained how we thought it was very important for all of the stakeholders, whether it was at the provincial level or, or at the city level, to look at this. They need to look at this. It's happening, right? The, the innovation is here, the technology is here, and it is happening. Um, and in my opinion, you cannot stop innovation. You know, you can you can slow it down. You can, but you know, why would you want to do that? There are so many benefits to to this and what may be coming. You don't want to slow this down. You don't want to stop it. You need to understand it, and you need to regulate. You need to figure out the rules and then apply the rules. So this was was kind of the approach that we took um, in trying to explain all this. And let me tell you, they, we, we saw no pushback. We saw no pushback on this. Um, we've had an open conversation with them for months now about how we would like to do this, the timing and all this. And now this summer um, we have, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in the middle of a pilot project that, 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 that Segway Discovery is uh, very much a part of. And everybody's watching. So there's no pushback, they're watching. I think they're watching with, uh, with great interest. And we also have some um, some key collaborators in the loop here. Dalhousie University has a uh, a department that that is very interested in in this this type of you know the next generation transportation models and and mobility sharing and all of that. So um, it's not only the the governments, I guess, municipal and provincial that we're working with, but it's also the the research departments that uh, in this case the biggest university you know in in Atlantic Canada, which is Dalhousie. So. We're pretty pleased in, in, in that we were able to kind of lay all this out, explain it. We did our homework and I think we explained that part very well and uh, now they're watching. And I, I think they're, they're, they're embracing the fact that we're doing a pilot project, how we're doing it. And by the way, we're collecting a lot of data here. A lot of data is being collected during this pilot project. And I think it's data that that the stakeholders are, are going to be very interested in and we're, we're offering to make that available to them. You know, at the end of this pilot project, there will be a report, some recommendations, and then they can, they can take that and do whatever they like with it. But data like, you know, how short, how long are the trips? Where are they going? You know, where are they using the scooters? You know, um, so much data is collected with every ride. Um, and then when you take all that, you know, some people, I, I personally like analytics. I like a lot of data and I like trying to figure out what it all means. And uh, I think that's going to be very helpful to the regulators, the stakeholders here, not only at the provincial level, level but at the city level. 
Absolutely. Well, it's going to be really exciting just to see how this micromobility revolution continues to move forward um, and what it looks like, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. I'm excited to see that. And uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like in a place like Halifax and uh, see the work that you've done. So Max Rostrelli, the owner of HFX e-scooters, thank you so much for joining me and talking about this today. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much. All the best.